If you're a real estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Levi Lassick and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. All right. Well, we'll get cranking. I don't know. Maybe this will be a short room today. We'll see if anybody has any questions. Uh, my name is Levi Lassick, and you are in the YouTube for Real Estate room today. And I'm here with our client success manager, Chrissy, Chrissy Owens, and uh, she works uh, with us, does quite a bit behind the scenes, but also helps out on definitely a lot of our live calls, clubhouse, everything like that. Really it's kind of the, uh, the Jill of all trades, you could say. Pretty good, pretty good. So big, su big support <laughs> for us, yes. How are you today, Chrissy? Doing good. Cranking, just like we always are. Yeah, there we go. All right, got a few friends. I, I was just explaining. I actually uh, booked this yesterday whenever I was in a different country. And it was, even though we're on central time zone, they don't recognize daylight savings. So it scheduled the room at a different time. So we'll just have to catch people as they come in with a fly. So uh, from that standpoint, uh, Andy Rue, good to see you guys. Um, everyone else, Janice, Monet, Denise, Mike, Patty, Lucero, Sandy, Rich, anybody has any questions? I mean, we have this room here for you guys. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to uh, go ahead and raise your hand, come up and join join us on here. And uh, we, we host this room weekly, usually at 1030. It's, it's always been 1030 despite a few <laughs> setbacks or miscalculations there on my part. But otherwise all good things. We tend to just talk video and, and real estate, YouTube and real estate, uh, it, and really usually speared by a lot of uh, uh, audience participation or as much as possible. So if anybody has any questions, wants to come up, have anything that they would like to comment or have questions on, hey, Marina, good to see you. But otherwise, is there anything, uh, well, I'll kick it over to you, Chrissy, anything that you're seeing come up lately as far as uh, topics that may be good to cover anything as far as feedback uh, i know working with a lot of our clients any any of the similar questions you've seen over and over again that uh, seem to keep coming up especially in the group i know we've gotten a few lately um, what would you say yeah. is a common question you're seeing well one thing and, and it's kind of related to the reel that you have uh that re released today is uh increasing view duration because a lot of people are starting their videos they're getting excited about it and then they see that their video views are really the, the time duration is quite low and so maybe some of your top tips um as you're creating your videos and the flow of your videos for how you're keeping people you know to 30 50 and even 80 percent of the video um for our view durations Oh, great, uh, great point, great question, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, there's several things you can do on that. Uh, you know, this is something that we talk about in, uh, you know, when we're working with agents and teams and people to start building out their channels is uh, we have a whole video flow uh, script, you know, on this. And, and really, I mean, you can take that from, you just check out any of our videos, but there, there's a psychology and a science to everything. I mean, everything that, that we have done on YouTube, we have studied quite extensively. And again, this is something goes back to whenever I was starting the channel that I was, I took about two months really to study the platform. I understood that I needed to understand the platform first and then how would that apply to real estate? So I, I recommend this on really any social media platform. The, the problem is, is that 
if you're like me and you're at that, I'm 42, by the way. So if you're at that 40 age range and above, we tend to have this love hate relationship with social media, meaning that, you know, we didn't grow up with it in high school. And depending on whether you went to college or not, you probably didn't even have it in college. Uh, you know, if you're in that 40 age range and above. And so it probably started to come around the time, you know, Facebook came out in 2005, but wasn't really making a big splash at the time. So really you were probably started in your career. Maybe you were already involved in real estate or um, had just started a new job or a new career. You haven't transitioned to real estate. And we've always looked at, we've always looked at social media from a consumer standpoint versus a producer standpoint. And that's why we have this love-hate relationship is because, you know, we looked at it from the consumer standpoint. So we go on there and we start to say things to ourselves like, oh, social media is petty. Oh, everybody's posting all their good stuff. What you see on social media is not real life. Uh, everyone just posts their lunch videos. Uh, everybody's just posting cat videos, you know? And so we tell our, give ourselves these narratives. And so we say, okay, it's stupid. It's silly. It's a waste of time. And in reality, is that person on the other side posting the food or the cat videos even is it could be making a million dollars. And this is something, you know, I, I spoke about this, uh, one of our most popular reels and really across all platforms was I told the story about the shoe shine guy, which, you know, even, uh, I want to say even, but I, you know, I've been limited in my thinking. Sometimes we let stubbornness and ego get in the way. And I was at a point where, uh, I let my ego get in the way because I passed the shoe shine guy in the airport. And I've had my shoe shines. If I'm on a business trip or um, if I'm wearing nice shoes in the airport, I'll stop and get my shoe shines. And it's usually around the same, 10, 15 bucks maybe. Maybe you tip the guy $5. Most of the time they just charge like 10 bucks. You're done in 10 minutes and you tip them five. And I mean, that's a pretty good deal to, to spiffy up the shoes. And I thought, you know, at one point, man, that's got to be the hardest job in the world. How can anybody support themselves? How do you, how do you hang out? And plus you see them, you know, they'll call out to people as they walk by, Hey, you get your shoe shine. And, you know, they get rejected 98% of the time. And so, you know, and I thought, man, that's got to be tough. How can you survive? How does anybody pay the bills, you know, shining shoes for $10 a day? I mean, you'd have to shine a ton of shoes to really even, you know, get close to minimum wage or slightly above minimum wage. And I was limited in my thinking, of course, until I was on YouTube doing a lot of different research and I have no idea how it came about or how I even came across the channel, but I found a shoe shine channel. And literally, you know, this person had a million and a half subscribers uh, that clearly you could tell by their descriptions and everything else. They have brand deals, even in the video, uh, they have brand deals. And so, you know, they could be, I don't know what their income is, but they could be making a million dollars simply shining shoes at the airport or high traffic office building or somewhere where we only see the $10 fee on the on the surface. But in the background, they could be making uh, five figures or six figures or multiple six figures or even millions from their YouTube channel. That goes in the same with like uh, uh, our buddy Roger Wakefield, who we've had on here, who's also in Dallas, Texas, a plumber. I mean, guys, if we tell ourselves that we can't, <laughs> we can't, uh, you know, talk about real estate on video.
Yet, yet a plumber like uh, Roger Wakefield, who uh, you know most of us would would say is plumbing the most fascinating subject to talk about in the world, not necessarily to us. But guess what? There's a ton of people out there that are interested in plumbing. And I've had conversations with Roger. I've met him in, uh, at uh, conferences and, we, you know, he's been in this, this room and he's not shy to say that his YouTube revenue surpasses his plumbing business now. He has millions in brand deals. He's sponsored by Lowe's and Home Depot. I mean, guys, you cannot get bigger than that when you're in the trades space uh, to get sponsorship from Lowe's and Home Depot. Uh, one of his deals alone is worth half a million a year. That's the types of sponsorships he gets because he has over, he's probably about to get close to 500,000 subscribers and millions over 50 million views on a YouTube channel about plumbing. But this is all going back to, I'm getting back to your uh, answer, Chrissy. Don't worry, I'm circling back to that. Is because they understand the platform from the producer side. And that was something that I myself always looked at um, Facebook and Instagram and even like when TikTok, think about all the people like on Snapchat there, you know, even though Snapchat's kind of Kind of, I would say maybe maybe it's gone. I don't know. I, I don't really hear of a lot of people generating a lot of business on Snapchat, but I do know people that generated business on Snapchat when it first came out. And it's the people that accept uh, the new things that come out and understand that's where the eyeballs are moving to. And and it is a shiny object syndrome. But if you get in there first and you understand the platform and you take action and take advantage of that, then you'll also be on the front end of that. So. So what? Who cares if Snapchat, you know, if somebody says, well, that's just a fad, it's going to go away. Well, what if you make a million dollars in the first two or three years and then it goes away? You know, I would recommend don't put all your eggs in one basket and only depend on that one platform. But at the same time, you know, what's wrong with understanding that that platform and utilizing it to to take advantage of that trend? Well, this goes into the average view duration about capturing people's attentions about gaining subscribers gaining viewers all of that and really it starts out within something like if you you watch the shoe shine guy you watch um you watch uh roger rakefield the plumber i mean everybody there's a certain flow you can see the different things in their videos that capture attention and will probably they probably for it. And that's usually starting out with you've got to get very direct and to the point. I think a lot of people have heard uh, several times that that you have to capture people's attention within the first three seconds. Well, that's what's established and called a hook. You know, a hook is what are you going to hook them in with? How are you going to get people's attention because and and get them to want to stick around so you have to be very precise uh and and to the point within the first three to seven seconds of the video about what are we going to talk about or you have a tagline or something that's going to capture attention and hopefully rain retain attention now you retain the attention with the information but you have to capture that information uh, at the very beginning so that's simply in this video or um, once upon a time, or uh, you know, whatever your tagline may be. And for us, I pretty much start this out the videos the same way, which is so you're thinking about moving too. The reason I say that is because I literally that's the market I want. I want people thinking about moving to 
blank, moving to Dallas, Texas, moving to Plano, Texas, moving to Frisco, Texas. You know, that's the people I'm targeting. That's the people I want. So I'm going to say that, and I don't mind saying that in every single video because otherwise I know, I know the people that are thinking about making those moves are very intentional. So if they are thinking about making a move, they're going to stick around. I don't necessarily uh, have the need. I at least, uh, you know, and my mindset can always change on this. I'm always open to discussion and, and figuring, figuring out a better, better way. But, um, if there's something else that could capture their attention quicker than that, I would utilize it if I could. But otherwise, I'm looking directly for the people wanting to move to our area, plain and simple. And if they're not, and or they don't want to spend time on that video, then I'm okay with them jumping off. I, I'm okay with that. If they leave the, the video in the first three to five seconds because they go, oh, I'm not because... That to me helps feed the algorithm as well. So I'm okay with the ones that jump early because then that's probably not the market I'm looking for. But the people that stay on, I know they're intentional. And when people are in research mode and when they're on YouTube, they are in not only research mode, they're in long form content consumption mode, which means they're willing, ready, and able to consume long-form content. This goes back to why we don't cross-promote on any other platform, because if you think about platform psychology, I don't believe anybody goes to Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok to research. Uh, and, and not to knock any of those other platforms, and I know several agents are successful on those platforms, but I, I don't believe anybody says, hey, hey, honey, it's time to buy a house. Let's go to Facebook and see what's on the market. Or, hey, honey, it's time to buy a house. Let's go on Instagram and, and see if we can uh, find a you know really cool real estate agent there. Or, hey, honey, it's time to buy a house. Let's go on TikTok and find the best dancing real estate agent. Um, I just don't think they say that. They go on those platforms typically because they want to either kill time, they want to get their mind off of something, they want to consume short form content, you know, they're taking a break. It's usually to get their mind off of everything else they're doing. I don't believe people really go to those platforms or to catch up on what their friends or family are doing. Now, they can absolutely find a real estate agent on there, like their content, you know, start to connect with them, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're in the market at that time either to buy a house. They could be eight months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, 36 months away from even considering a move. So yes, they could follow, they could like and, and enjoy your content and consume it. And then when they do get ready to buy at that point, you know, they could definitely get ready to make a move uh, and give you a call from those platforms. But I think for us, we have a much faster conversion cycle because when people are on YouTube and in Google, they are researching. They're extremely intentional. So therefore, it's it's not so much as that we have to be as catchy or hooky, but we still need something to keep their attention. And this is the other reason why I uh, speak to not mixing real estate agent related content with client content, because if I'm a client and I go to your channel and the first thing I see is, uh, you know, how to write a contract or um, we're expanding our... Uh, a day in the life of a real estate agent. I mean, that direct needs at that time. And so therefore, I'm probably going to say this is not the channel for me. So anything that is attractive toward, in my opinion, is a completely different 
audience and should be, you know, should be moved to a completely separate channel. And so same thing with a real estate agent. If you have, if you do want to produce content for real estate agents, if you have any real estate client content on there, you know, if they come to your channel and find that they're going to say, well, I'm looking for real estate agent training or information, or that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to move to this area. And therefore you run the risk of losing that person as a subscriber or a viewer or, you know, potential audience. And so you have to be very intentional about everything that you do. And this comes in with understanding the platform, understanding what is uh, how the platform works and like on that platform. And then also, what is your audience looking for? Who can elevate with Candace a, a while back, you know, in the, one of the rooms we had in here. Uh, she was like, who do you serve? How do you serve them? And why do you serve them? Are like three of the biggest questions that you should be asking yourself to get on there. Well, if you're trying to generate real estate business, real estate transactions, then don't talk to real estate agents on that channel. Talk to real estate clients on that channel. But ultimately, you have to be able to capture them. And to me, the best way to do that is you're going to do that with a hook. You're going to do that with something that does grab their attention. Now, ideally, that is going to be a thumbnail in the beginning. Now, this is something else is that, you know, they uh, and, and your eyes can process an image in seven tenths of a second. So less than one second. So, you know, thumbnails absolutely matter. People are going to be attracted to thumbnails. Then they're going to look at the title. And once they read that title and they say, okay, this is probably a video for me, they're going to click on it. Then, then that first three to seven seconds is going to determine, are they going to really stick around and watch that video? And so that hook is going to tell them very quickly, because if you go off on a rant or talking about something else completely different, or, you know, don't really establish why you titled uh, your video the way you did very quickly, I think that's going to be a challenge as far as keeping their attention is on that video and how is that going to um you know what how is it going to serve them what benefit are they going to receive what's in it for them so that hook is very important on there you know then then we're going to have a brief uh intro you know the brief intro again there is to let them know what are they going to learn uh you know from this and that's the reason we say hey if this is your first time to the channel is about living in Dallas, Texas. Subscribe below, tap the bell for notifications so you can be the first to learn about the current market in Dallas. And so the reason we say that is because we're letting them know what is the value for you subscribing. If we say, hey, make sure you subscribe so you know every time I release a new video. Well, what does that tell me? And if it's my first time to the channel, I'm going to say, well, what does that even mean? What what do you mean every time you release a new video? I mean, to me, that is that goes into what we we uh, call selfish versus service based, uh, you know, marketing. Selfish based marketing is it's not that you're intentionally being selfish and you're like saying, "Gimme, gimme, gimme, mine, mine, mine." It's the fact that whenever you word things in a manner that is kind of uh, has me or uh, you, as far as you as a person, uh, more involved versus your audience, that person, who are you serving? That is selfish-based marketing versus service-based marketing is make sure you subscribe below so you can be the first to learn about the current market in Dallas. Well, if I'm researching and thinking about moving to Dallas, 
that tells me automatically, well, this channel is for me because I do want to know what the current market in Dallas is all about. Uh, otherwise, saying every time I drop a new video, okay, well, what does that mean? How does that help me? Uh, I'm looking for information. So all that, all that different uh, type of wording and how you say things is, are you saying things in a manner that is, you know, selfish-based or service-based? And again, we don't do, we don't do, it's just most people are taught or learn selfish-based marketing because they feel like they have to self-promote and they have to get their name and their brand established. Well, the best way, I believe, to do that is through service-based because then you're going to uh, provide value to people regardless. And when you provide that value to people, you know, you're, you're going to gain clients and customers and, and attract business regardless. Uh, now, sometimes it doesn't happen immediately, but again, I, I, hopefully we're all playing the long game here. And that's the most important thing is to always play the long game. And that in the end is going to, I believe, generate more business. So, uh, you know, you have a hook, you have an intro, you have a call to action. You have to tell people what to do um, in a nice kind of way, right? So what, you know, how can you help them? Well, give us a call, shoot us a text, send us an email. Happy to help you make a smooth move to Dallas. And we say that, you know, seems like um, may sound a little corny in the beginning, but at the same time, what are people one of people's biggest fears is moving and then you can compound that by moving across country i mean if you've ever moved out of state i've done it several times it's a pain in the ass it is <laughs> i mean it just is uh, the coordination uh, the timing everything i mean it, it's a lot to handle and to take on and then people are trying to do this uh, in the middle of full-time jobs and transfers and kids and schools and all kinds of other things. So from, from that standpoint, you know, we say that very specifically, help you make a smooth move to Dallas. Uh, because again, they, we want them to say, oh, okay, well, that's what I would like. I would like a smooth move to Dallas. Uh, we also say, you know, whether you're moving in nine days or 90 days. And again, this is talking to that audience, talking to that person, letting them know it's not too soon. It's not too late to give us a call. And we have had people uh, our record is locking a deal under contract in three and a half hours from the time somebody called us. Now they called us with the very specific property, told us to make it happen. And, uh, you know, and then they would fly in if we got it under contract and view it during the option period, which we do all the time. But that's how quickly we can move. And then they will say that. And we've had this uh, come up time and time again. People email us, they call us and they say, hey, you said whether nine days or 90 days, well, it's, uh, I need to move like in three days. Now that's a little extreme sometimes, but we've also had people uh, that we've locked in within 18 hours because they, you know, lost five other deals. They were in town with another agent, uh, lost deals. And, you know, on their last day, found the channel, did a little last minute research and they thought, hey, you know what? Let's give these guys a try uh, because literally, and they said, because you said nine days, well, here we are, we're in town. <laughs> we're, uh, can you help us out? And we listened to what they were looking for, what they needed, and we were able to, to get them under contract that day. And we've even had somebody call us and say, hey, I'm in town. Uh, do you have a recommendation uh, of a, a few builders I can see over in this area? We gave them three builders. 
and they literally contracted on a house and put us down as uh, as their agent and we had n- never even met them before that was the first time they reached out through text message just asked for those recommendations we were already tied up and booked that day and you know reached out to them but they said look i'm here i'm i'm i need to make this happen today so do you have and so we just we we're like okay let's go for it you know here's the recommendations we you know they're going to do what they're going to do regardless and they still put us down on that contract. So we've had that happen several times. And, and that becomes all of that. All of that becomes the anchor of the video. And an anchor is something that people are familiar with so that as your brand gets more and more established, then people become familiar with that. And if I were to ask uh, anybody what you know, what type of store has a bullseye on the outside, you could probably, you could probably uh, guess what that is, you know, Um, or a little yellow sun, or, um, you know, something like that, then you probably understand what there is, because those are anchor points, those are more graphics. But it's the same way. uh, You know, if I said like a good neighbor, somebody is there. You know, if I say like a good neighbor, why? They do that on every single commercial. It's a little jingle. It is something that people, uh, it becomes the anchor of everything they do in their marketing so that people know. And then whenever I say that, you probably completed the rest of that sentence. So for us, that's our anchor. It's the same in every single video. Now the intro, the hook, the hook and the intro is a little bit different because it does depend on the video. But ultimately I'm gonna say, so you're thinking about moving to Dallas, Texas. Well, in this video, uh, we're gonna take you around or we're gonna show you this or we're going to do this or we're gonna do that. And so, you know, by saying that we're, we're giving them a little table of contents. You know, what are we gonna do in this video? What are we gonna show in this video? What, do, what are we gonna talk about in this video? So we're kind of giving them the table of contents. Now, also for view duration, you can say, hey, if you stick around till the end, I'm going to share with you this or show you this or share with you something that nobody knows about this area at all whatsoever. Or I'm going to uh, provide some Per, uh, some type of information, you know, you see what I mean? So you also want to provide something that provides that, uh, that curiosity that will keep people on till the end as well. Because if you want to maintain that view duration, they're going to say, Oh, I do want to know what is the most, uh, most thing people don't know about this area or what's the secret thing or what's the, <laughs> the hidden thing behind the playground or, you know, whatever it is, if you know something unique about that area, then you can mention that in the beginning as well. You know, so, so you're thinking about moving to Dallas, Texas. Well, in this video, we're actually going to take you around this neighborhood, show you a couple of different homes and a couple of different price points. That way you can get a good idea of what uh, may fit inside your budget, no matter if you're in the 300, 600 or $900,000 range. But if you stick around till the end, I'm going to show you one um, hidden gem of this area that really nobody ever talks about, but I tell you what, you'll want to absolutely know about it. So, uh, you know, we'll get after it right now. So just something like that was, is a, a hook and an intro that is, you know, 15 to 20 seconds, lets them know what's going on. Then I can get into my, my full intro and call to action and my anchor of my content of my brand and then we're going to move into the video now depending on what you're doing that type of video you're also going to you're also going to 
uh, establish you know that view duration by doing a lot of different things in that video well if you're outside if you're outside in a neighborhood video that's a little easier to do because we don't do a lot of editing on those videos because we continually walk or we're driving around or whatever the case may be, we're taking people through the neighborhood. So those different streets, different homes, even walking down the street, it's almost like we're walking and having a conversation right next to each other. So from that standpoint, it's a matter of, uh, you know, without the outdoors, you have a lot of different frame changes. You have a lot of pattern interrupts. And so that's what's known. And if you've never noticed this before, you'll notice it now. Watch your favorite TV show. Watch Million Dollar Listing. Watch Friends. Uh, watch Chip and Joe. Whatever. Whatever show you do watch, watch it. And I can almost promise you the frame changes every three to five seconds. Now think about that. Watch Million Dollar Listing. Watch friends, anything. Think about it. Watch it. And, and when I say frame change, I'm talking about camera angles, people, conversation, whatever the case may be. It can even be the same person, but it can be a different camera angle. So think about that. Every three to five seconds, camera angles, something changes in that video. So how do we do that? Well, if we're outside walking around, that's simple to do if we're walking around and switching the camera. If you've ever seen one of our videos, you'll notice I switch the camera from arm to arm. Well, number one, my arm gets tired. <laughs> so that's one reason why I switch it back and forth. But also the other reason is because that's a, a camera angle change. That's a pattern interrupt. You know, a pattern interrupt is something that keeps your attention going during that time frame. So switching hands when I'm outside and it also gives you views of two sides of the street or I may spin around or I may, you know, if I'm walking north to south and I'm and I'm showing you east to west because of my camera angles, I can also spin or turn around and show you north to south as well. And so all those different changes are pattern interrupts and frame changes. Now, if I'm in an office, well, the easiest way to do that is with multiple cameras. And something about Roger Wakefield, now he, you know, is at a much higher level of production than the way most of us start, but he has, I believe, at least four different camera angles in his office. Now, that's not something that we uh, recommend to anybody in the beginning. You know, it's just a matter of uh, there's different things you can do with editing that you can have one camera angle and you can edit differently that really changes things up or pattern interrupts, which means simple zoom in, or in and out of the camera. You've probably seen this. If you haven't noticed it, you'll notice it now that the camera will zoom in and out while people are talking. Uh, adding graphics, having graphics pop up, having images pop up, having short little movie clips, right, pop up. All these types of things are there to keep the viewer's attention and to uh, capture attention as long as possible. So did that answer your question, Chrissy? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then I, I would also mention too that I think a lot of the retention issues, I mean, you've definitely got your flow and there are certain things that you wanna say, just like Levi was saying, to keep people engaged at the very beginning. Also, I mean, if you're finding that your retention is, is not as good as you want it to be, it could also just simply be because the content itself. So I would just make a habit of going in and making sure that you're regularly looking for the hot topics in your area. And that by itself increases retention just because you're, you're giving people what they're asking for, right? So I would say 
just as far as like an overall content perspective, just make sure that you're looking at your competitors. That's one of the easiest ways to kind of capitalize on, on what's trending is seeing what your competitors are doing. And um, if it's an interesting video to you and the, the views are high, then you're probably going to be hitting a home run with that. So look at your competitors. Um, look, And we talked about this last week, looking at your competitors' comments and seeing what people are asking for in the comments section. And then also going into YouTube and Google Analytics, searching out the keywords and seeing if what you think is going to trend is actually trending in search traffic. Because I've, I've had so many people come to me and they're kind of disappointed you know, when their videos don't perform very well. They're like, oh, I'm so excited. Everyone in my area is talking about this. All my friends are talking about this suburb. It's a brand new, you know, subdivision that just got built out. And I go and I do the search traffic on it. And I'm like, there's 15 people a week searching for this. This is not a good topic for you to start with on your first video, especially. So make sure that you're actually doing the keyword research behind that and seeing what's trending there. And then go, you know, go to the FAQs in Google and see, you know, if a particular suburb or a city or a subdivision or something that you're interested in, in showing on a video um, is, is coming up in Google's FAQs. And if that is happening, then, you know, address some of those topics in there. So um, if you're doing some of those things and you're actually addressing, especially with the FAQs, I'd say if you're if you're actually addressing pretty much that exact phrase or that exact question in your video, keep in mind that YouTube is listening and it actually records and, and transcribes everything that you're saying. So that FAQ would come up as a search term, even if you didn't write it in your description. So those are just some little hacks that you can use to kind of behind the scenes be making your video go a little bit farther. But overall, just the idea of being a lifelong learner and don't get you know, complacent with your channel. And if, even if it's starting to trend upwards, always take time to look at those keywords and do that research on a constant basis. And that retention will continue to go up. Awesome. Love it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let, let's, we've got a few people here. So I want to get to the Q and a portion of this. Uh, Matt, is that you? Is that really you? I don't know if that's, um, if you're just here in spirit or I'm here. Oh, okay. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Sorry, I've been taking a bunch of calls here. What's going on? No, no, no you're, you know, you know, I always just love giving you a hard time. Anything, <laughs> uh, uh, anything, uh, uh, anything you wanted to uh, comment, question, or contribute uh, before we move over to Mike? Sure. Yeah, build up a bigger library so that when you go two or three weeks without posting a video, you don't look like an idiot. <laughs> I'm not speaking from personal experience or anything. Sorry. Right. Right, Chris? Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to, to call yourself looking like an idiot, though. If I don't, if I don't sell <laughs> your videos are bomb. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah, when we when we actually do put them out, they uh, they go a long, long way, and we get a ton of phone calls about them. But uh, here over the last two weeks, it has been quite the struggle. People, three videos a week is a lot of videos to try to get done and i'm just trying to shoot the video i don't even have to edit them so anyway sorry yeah i was about I to say if you're uh, i was about to say mad if you're also paying for editing services you definitely want to make sure you're, you're uh, uh, yeah. put, put, putting your content out there uh yeah absolutely so well great point uh we'll touch on that real quickly and then move over to mike and uh, see if he has a question or comment uh, for us today but yeah guys consistency consistency is key now think about this people i do believe people kind of judge you off your social content so if you're not consistent 
there could be people that judge you and think, well, are they going to be consistent with me? Now, that could be a little extreme, but at the same time, when there's gaps, you know, they could think, well, maybe this person's disappeared. Hopefully they'll think, well, if they're so busy, they haven't put out content in a couple of weeks. But, you know, at the same time, the with the consistency there, again, it's going to keep the phone ringing. Once your phone starts ringing, that's the most important thing is that we see this time and time again. As soon as people start working with clients and getting the phone calls from the channel, their content tends to slip. And I think it's one of the things that you want to really double down on and make sure that you stay consistent no matter what. And so you've got to either find block time every single week or every other week or once a month. Now for YouTube, I do believe it's more of a challenge to block time like once a month and try to film everything for the month in a, a time span because we are dealing with long form content. For me, it is a weekly thing. I have, if you look at my calendar, I've showed it many times on Zoom calls and everything else. I mean, my time is blocked uh, every week, but at the same time, it doesn't uh, it doesn't mean that that I can I meet that time because a lot of things come up. I mean, this month I've traveled more this month than ever before, and you know, tonight, like I'm I'm even backed up, but tonight we're doing a live stream. We're going to do a live stream on on the channel because. I have tonight open and, and I, you know, I'm, I need content and I'm not going to allow inconsistency to get the better of me, but I, I used up, I had content filmed out the last two weeks, but I've also been traveling the last two weeks. So I didn't film any content while I was traveling the last two weeks, but I had content being published. Well, I just got back last night. I got back last night and I immediately jumped back on my schedule today. Still got up at five, still went to the gym. Um, still had our morning meeting at uh, 8 a.m., you know, still got uh, on the phone, still having this call at 1030. And then, uh, but I knew I wasn't going, and I have five other Zoom calls booked after this, so I'm back to back. And I knew I would not have time to get in any content today. So I talked to Chrissy and said, let's schedule a live stream because my first free time will, will literally be at 7 p.m. tonight. So I was like, well, let's do a live stream. Why not? I'll just make the content on the go. So sometimes you do have to compromise and you know work around it. But otherwise, uh, I'm going to do everything I can because we haven't missed a single week on our channel since starting. And my goal is to never let that happen. Now, also, it's been a little cold, a little everything's dead here too, so I haven't really wanted to film as much content outside, but now also spring is coming up, trees are blooming, things are greening, so it's like, oh, I can't wait and I'll get out. I will go out on a Saturday and I'll shoot three or four videos in one Saturday, you know, or a Thursday afternoon. I can do that. I know I can do that. And I've just been kind of waiting on the weather a little bit too, uh, and I've kind of been putting out a few office videos to make up for that, but an office video, guys, I mean, the reality is for myself now, too, I can film a video in one take. Uh, there's really, uh, you know, I, there's not much that, that uh, because I'm in a process and a flow, too, if I want to make a 15 or 20 minute video, it takes me about 15 to 20 minutes to, to make that video if I do an office video. Now, I know what I need to talk about, and I may pause in between a little bit, but I don't get thrown off track, and I just let the editing team cut out those pauses and those types of things. So, um, But 
content is king, consistency is queen, and therefore uh, you have to just really do your best to you know make up that schedule. And if your schedule gets thrown off, then you have to adapt on the fly. And um, but to us, the number one goal is consistency of content. So, uh, Mike, how you doing, my man? Are you there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm just listening. I hey, man. came up to hang out and show some support. So uh, there is some, I know we've had this conversation maybe about a month or two ago now where you've given me some value and uh, I thought maybe you can touch on it again for maybe those who weren't in the room to hear it, but more so of the, of fixing your mindset and almost getting out of your own way. I know I was overcritical of myself and it stopped me from getting started and creating movies or uh, videos and consistency. So maybe if I want to just touch on the fact that most people in your audience don't care about the, the like how your hair looks and getting into your own way or maybe if you have a little stutter here and there so maybe if you wanted to touch on some of the new people that are a little too nervous to get started that uh, sometimes just a matter of getting out of your way and doing it yeah of course i mean i yeah i think we are our own biggest critic and you know, a lot of times people say, I, I don't like the way I look and sound on camera or video or anything like that. And I'm uh, sorry to say that, guess what? That's the way you look and the way you sound. I think the biggest thing is, is people don't like the way they sound because you're used to talking in your own head. And what I mean by that is that in your own head is literally scientifically a different audio sound than what people hear from you because it you're you're hearing your voice in between your own ears you hear it in a completely different manner so if you've ever heard yourself leave a voice message or a voicemail or or on camera or a voice recording anything like that and you're like wait that's the way i sound yes that is actually the way you sound to everybody else in the world so you know that is something that you're going to have to get used to uh, or just get over and move on with it. Uh, and now the same, the other thing is, is that depending on how you look, if you don't like the way you look, then, you know, get ready, I guess, get ready the way you want to look on camera or some people don't care how they look. And then, so they just, they go for that. Now that's usually the people that just get going, but you know, the great thing about videos like attracts like, and the good thing is, is that the people that call you, from video content have already made the decision they want to work with you they've already seen everything this goes in the same thing with uh, probably one of the biggest concerns people have whenever i speak to uh, people that have immigrated here or come from a different country and english is their second language and they do have an accent or they don't pronounce pronunciate words uh the way they feel they should be you know pronunciate pronouncing them pronouncing them <laughs> yeah pronouncing them so you know it's one of those things where i, I say well look make the videos anyways because guess what the people that want to work with you will call you and so they'll already know actually our mortgage our mortgage lender uh brian super cool dude i mean super cool and uh he has a little bit of a stutter but i tell you what that guy pumps out more content <laughs> maybe almost or as much or maybe more than i do and he is i mean he knows content is king but also it's something that uh, I, when he talks, he just, he talks with confidence. And it's one of those things that you don't even notice it half the time, but he knows the mortgage business inside and out, left and right, up, down, center. I mean, and he just speaks with confidence. So now I've never asked him, never talked to him about it, never will, just because I don't care if he has a little bit of a stutter. He is, um, 
he is so knowledgeable, so confident, and and is there to do anything for us at any time that that is something I could care less about. But I, I don't think so. Um, I just know, or maybe this is how he works through that. But again, if English is the second language, you know, the biggest thing is, is I ask people, how do you, you know, what audience do you want to attract? If you do the videos in your native language, you're only going to attract your native language. But let's say you're Colombian and you have an accent. Most Colombians can pick up Colombian accent in an English accent. So guess what's going to happen? If you attract English speaking clients, they're, they're going to know you have an accent and they want to work with you, period. But you're probably going to attract the Colombians as well because they can pick up that accent and they know, oh, this person speaks Colombian or even let's say Brazilian is Portuguese. You know, they may call you and actually start speaking in Portuguese just because they're like, oh, here's somebody I know I can work with because now they've portrayed this. They put themselves on video. But again, it's one of those things where like attracts like if you if you have purple hair and you're like, well, and your mom told you, hey, nobody's going to ever sell real estate with purple hair. And you're like, well, I can sell real estate. Uh, that's not true. Well, you get on video and then you're but if you're self-conscious with that every time you meet a client because you've never met them in person or, or on video, then that I could see how that could create some sort of um, stigma. But if you create videos and you have spiky purple hair, well, guess what? Everybody that calls you, they know you have spiky purple hair. And so it's not even something that you have to worry about. So it's just, uh, it, it is literally getting out of your own head because, and think about that from the auditory standpoint. I mean, you are literally hearing a different voice in your own head, but that's not what everybody else hears. So if you don't like the way you sound or the way you come off, I mean, the thing is, is if you don't like your energy, you've got to step up your energy. We were talking about this today on our team meeting is that they say the camera adds 10 pounds. Well, the camera also sucks away 50% of your energy. So if you get on camera and you're kind of like, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm a chill laid back person. You're actually going to be a really chill and laid back person on camera. And, and, and you could also come off with low energy. So you don't want to do that. You at, you have to step up your energy, your personality a little bit on camera because it, you have to be able to portray that and you want to be able to capture people's attention and, and, and hold their attention throughout that video. And that's not going to come with people that are monotone and boring. Uh, and that's just the way it is. We were also talking about that with the team today. When you're making phone calls, stand up, walk around, don't sit down slunched over because when you do that, First of all, your mood is different. You know, you're not in a power position. You're, if you're hunched over a desk and you're, it, it's all posture. It's all positioning. It's all, uh, think about when you're excited and you're explaining things to somebody and you're like, you just, you're talking about the best trip you ever went on, you know, are you doing that? And you're kind of like walking around the house pacing and you have your chin up and you're, you know, projecting that voice. It's the same thing with phone calls. You have to transfer that. A cell is made when there's a transfer of enthusiasm. And when you can transfer enthusiasm through video, through phone calls, uh, you know, through conversation, that's when, that's how you gain clients. So it's, it, yeah, you just have to work through that and keep going. But ultimately the consistency, again, going back to that is going to be key uh, because that's the one 
trait I've seen amongst all successful people is that they stuck with it. Now, some, yes, some people become successful quicker than others, but sometimes it takes people that you heard the old saying, right? It took me 20 years to be an overnight success. Most of the time people just see that success on the surface. They don't see all the work and, and things that, uh, you know, went in behind the scenes, but, you know, think about it. It's just one of those, one of those things that we have to continually work on and, and, be mindful of it. Don't beat yourself up over it. Don't overanalyze yourself to death. Don't let it freeze you out of creating the content, but just look at how you can improve and get better. Does that help out, Mike? Yes, absolutely. And I know we've, uh, like I said, we've had this conversation in the past, so I more so came up here to to thank you for it and give, maybe give a chance to someone else who needed to hear it. It's just, it's a matter of getting out of your own way and the content that you produce is more important than, than probably what's going on in your head and why, and all the reasons why you can't do it. So I do appreciate it. With that being said, I'll let you move on to the next. All right. What's up, Denise? How are you doing today? And if you're there, are you there? I am. I am. Thank you, Levi. Yeah, you're welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. So I just finished um, the book that you had made a recommendation, I think on one of your um, podcasts or something, the YouTube secrets. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was great, but came out, came away with it with uh, quite a few questions. So I guess one of them was the collaboration. It talks okay. a lot about collaborating with others in your industry. Do you find that you do that or it's beneficial? I haven't really found that in your videos and maybe I'm, um, overseeing that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, yeah, I think, you know, those books like YouTube secrets, YouTube formula, those are kind of geared more towards general YouTube YouTubers. And also, you know, the, the whole point, all the notoriety on YouTube comes from the people with a hundred thousand or a million subscribers, right? I mean, that's, and that's usually what it takes for people to really successfully monetize a channel or to have a full-time income, but we're in the business where we have a high ticket item like real estate. And so views and subscribers and all that stuff, I, it, it's important, but it doesn't matter. You know, that was that you can still generate a lot of business with not a lot of subscribers and not a lot of views. And so the collaboration piece, I've never, yeah, I've never done that. Um, number one, just because um, I haven't felt the need to really. And I think ultimately when you're creating your content, you've got to do what's best for you. And then also as you develop more and more content, you're going to, you know, understand your audience. And so you'll know what will serve them. So now what could I do? Could I, what I, if I were to do it, I would look at probably a California real estate channel that I know. Cause if you look in your backend analytics of YouTube, it tells you the top 15 channels that your audience watches. And from that, I know there's like two California channels in there, two California real estate agents. So if I did a collab with them where we discussed California versus Texas real estate market, then that's an opportunity to tap into. And I know those two channels, I believe one of them has like 35,000 subs and another one has, you know, 40,000 subs or so. So that would be a good way to uh, tap into their audience. Now, the other thing is though, is that, 
you know, does that open up doors? You know, what I love about YouTube and our business that comes in from that is I don't pay any referral fees at all whatsoever uh, to anybody. Now, if I did a collab with somebody and, you know, could they say, well, what's in it for me? Now, some people are just giving and willing to do things, you know, just because, but you've got to find an agent too that is not, I would prefer not to say, oh, well, hey, if you get anybody from California now, make sure you give me a referral. Or if anybody mentions my channel, that's just something that I really don't want to track or try to manage or try to go back on as well. So, you know, from that standpoint, that's one of the reasons I've kind of stayed away from that, just because I know anything that comes in from YouTube is 100% ours. And, and also, I don't know, I just haven't taken... Um, I haven't really felt the need to do that. If I know that they're watching those other channels, I know YouTube's already recommending our content on those channels. So I'm letting YouTube do the work for me. And ultimately, if these people are looking to move to, to Texas, then then they're going to find our videos. And I know that as well. So I would just, you know, that when we read these books, I would just, you kind of kind of look at the things that can apply or will apply. We don't have to apply every single tactic or, uh, you know, a tip that's, that's outlined in these books, but we need to look for, you know, what does it, how does it apply to real estate? How can I make that work? Is it worthwhile? And I'm not saying collabs are a bad thing. You can absolutely do that. So it just, I think it comes with, I would wait on it and, and develop your audience, understand your audience, get to know your audience, and then determine if that's going to benefit from them. But otherwise, if you do it at the beginning, you also, I, I, you know, it's just one of those things where if someone, somebody has 40,000 subscribers and you collab with them and they go to your channel and you've got 45 subscribers, you know, then they could, they could be like, well, this person, who is this person? They're a nobody maybe. And then they may not even be interested. So there, there is something to that as well, that maybe doing it too early could be a bad thing. But then again, maybe it, it boosts you and, and you, you get some of those people reach out. So I, I could sit, kind of see it working both ways. Does that help out? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, one other quick question is, um, when you head out and do community um, videos with your, you know, selfie stick, the whole thing, um, you're definitely doing the neighborhood. And I've heard you say they focus a lot on that, that people from transplants coming in just want to see the neighborhood. If you do go in the house, do you feel, do you have to get permission? <laughs> I mean, obviously you have to book it through your showing service, but to air somebody else's listing as you're walking in showing them what 400 could get you in frisco are you asking for permission to show that property does that make sense yeah and i've i've never done it so i, I mean i've never shown the inside of a property that i had to ask permission or book a, a scheduled time the i've only done i believe two okay and that's because they happen to be open houses in the neighborhood I was in and the agent was standing right there. And I literally asked them, do you mind if I shoot this on video for my YouTube channel? Since you have an open house, can I walk around? And they said, yes. But otherwise, uh, I, it's not a, it's not a, a it's not something in my schedule or timing that I want to do as far as cold calling agents, trying to, you know, get them to show me the inside. But also my, my big theory of this really why I've never done it and people look at the inside of homes 
all day, every day. What they can't see is they can't see the home next door and the home on the other side of it. They can't see the home across the street. They can't see the playground down the street. They can't see the community pool. They can't see what's around the corner. So that's what I'm showing them. And so they can look at the inside all day long, but we're showing them everything on the outside, which to me really matters to people even a lot more because the thing is, is almost all $400,000 homes look the same. You know, almost all $600,000 homes look the same. I mean, there's really not that much uniqueness. I mean, maybe a different type of granite in there, maybe a different color cabinets, but otherwise, I, at least here in, uh, I mean, now this is not New Orleans. Now, I know in New Orleans, like every house has a unique facade, a unique uh, uh, inside. I mean, there's, I, I could see doing, $300,000 home tours inside New Orleans, I think is a lot more interesting because you're looking at 150 and 200 year old homes as to where the suburbs of Dallas, well, they're pretty much all the same, you know? So are y'all in here? Can you check with them? Are they in here? Um, so I think that they're, you know, that's all the same. And so I don't think it's that interesting either. So um, okay. does that help out? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I guess definitely a time saver too, if you're having to book all of those. So um, just showing the outside. Um, I know that you did like even an apartments one and went and showed just all the amenities and all of that. So I just wanted to know, I didn't want to be stepping on toes or doing something that probably wasn't even allowed. And uh, so I wanted to kind of hear your feedback on that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. What's up, Armando? Well, my yeah, and Levi, up? I was just going to mention too, just to differentiate for people who are watching both of the channels, we do do that on the luxury channel, but that's a totally different animal. For the four and five hundred thousand dollar houses, we don't usually ask permission, but the 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 million dollar houses, Levi typically gets permission from the person who's listing it. Well, we, no, actually, we do get permission. <laughs> First, uh, we do get permission from the from the listing agent or the builder. Absolutely. But yes, to Chrissy's point, this is why this is, we, we targeted a different channel, uh, different videography, different style, everything, because yes, I believe when you reach in the seven figures, multiple seven figures, then you do see uniqueness in homes. You do see different features. You, there is a lot to explore, a lot to show. And that is more interesting to see in person and that does attract a lot more eyeballs and different eyeballs than just that. This is why I think a lot of real estate agents, when they tour their $400,000 listing and get zero views on it, they wonder why it's just because it's, it's just not interesting to people, you know, it, that, that sorry, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just not. And so therefore if we show the outside of the home, if they want to look it up online, but I think more people want to see the neighborhoods. I mean, more people in that four, six, eight hundred thousand dollar range are concerned about the communities, the schools, the restaurants, you know, that that lifestyle. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to mention, too, just before we move on, is just going back to the whole collaboration thing um, in real estate. Really, I feel like the best way to collaborate in just this industry, you kind of have to tweak that that concept that's in YouTube secrets and, and make it more about collaborating with people on your own channel, because that is one way we've utilized collaboration. And that has made our channel explode. Just having multiple personalities on your channel, um, people who contribute to the brand and people who kind of have their own spin on things. We now get people who are reaching out for the agents that make the other videos like AJ he gets tons of reach outs you know through those videos so if you're looking for a way to kind of 
use um, those extra contributions to the benefit of the channel. I would say definitely getting extra contri contributors on the channel versus trying to go out and find another real estate agent to collab with. That's a really great way to grow the channel quickly, especially just because they can also create content. So just, you know, increasing your volume, that's a great way to collaborate. Yeah, and I suppose you could say we have we have collaborated on the luxury channel. We've collaborated with builders and we've collaborated collaborated with designers and we've collaborated with uh, commercial builders. So that last home we shot in McKinney, that was a, you know, a $4 million house. They're actually a commercial builder, but they built their own house and we, we promoted, you know, their commercial company on the channel. And so that's a collaboration. Uh, one of the homes we shot was from a, a interior designer named Emily from a well-dressed home. And she, she designs interiors whether it could be one room or entire homes and so she's got connections and the cool thing i'll tell you a little secret here um which sometimes i reveal too much but you know she you know as an interior designer for her to work on spaces she has everybody sign a release uh for video content for pictures for all of that so so therefore she has permission we don't even need the homeowner's uh, permission at that point. And we've already, you know, worked out a collaboration with her to where she's like, any home I'm designing the interior, she's like, you can come and film it and we can present that. And because she has the release, then that opens it up. And so now we've, we've made one contact that has opened the door for many filming opportunities. So that to me is... Uh, is is money right there that's what you want to work or working with the builder you work with a custom home builder and they're they're coming out with a finished four million dollar home every month that's a lot easier than trying to chase down agents because i tell you what agents are not that collaborative sometimes and even though you would think you want to give them free promotion and free marketing that still doesn't make them interested in wanting to work with you but builders designers uh, commercial contractors, uh, they're, they're very happy to work with you. So Denise, you cannot use any of these tactics in the North, uh, Texas area. We're just telling you that. So make sure you don't, uh, use any of this, any of the things we're saying. Right. Okay. Thank you all so much. No, I appreciate just, it. <laughs> just kidding. Where are you at? Are you in, uh, Frisco or you North? Um, I'm actually in McKinney. So, but I mean, okay. you know, kind of handle uh, North Collin, you know, all of that type of North Dallas area. But um, yeah, have a talk with you this evening. So I look forward to chatting with you more. Okay, great. Uh, what's up, Armando? How you doing, my man? Howdy, all these Dallas folks. I'm getting a little uppity here in Houston. You know, <laughs> we'll watch out. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, Houston, Texas here. Love the conversation and um, just on my little break from cold calling Fizbo's and all that. So um, so I have new shiny object syndrome right now because I'm eyeing up my a drone that I think I messaged you like a week ago that I'm kind of flipping flopping on, on getting. Um, what is your like what are the view rates? drone footage like aerial type stuff versus like the videos that you're doing handheld videos versus pictures like the views and the comments because i i think it's pretty gnarly when i see 
you know, um, a listing from the aerial shot to all around the property. And then, you know, they, they go inside. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm, I mean, go for it. I don't think, I, I don't think we've had directly anybody come out and say, Hey man, that, you know, cool drone shots or anything like that. I mean, I think it's a necessity with, you know, multi-million dollar homes. And when you have extravagant landscaping and property size and, you know, multi, uh, a lot of square footage, I think drones are absolute necessity. They do. I mean, they can show an area as well. So even if you have smaller, I mean, it does make video a lot more interesting, but again, that's something that I never used one. Uh, we've actually never really used one. We've used drone stock footage on our regular channel, but that was, again, something, everything that I help people with, you can do with an iPhone, you know, and you don't need all, you know, you don't need multiple cameras. You don't need fancy cameras, $5,000 cameras. You don't need $2,000 drones, any of that stuff. You know, we, we incorporated that whenever we moved into luxury and on a completely different look. So I think it really depends on the market you're trying to serve. Uh, who your audience is, what your budget is. I mean, if you've been in the game, you're a well-established agent and you have budget and you, this is something you want to go all in on, then absolutely. I think stepping your, uh, we, we just actually just helped the channel Armando uh, start in Houston and they hired a videographer from the start. Now that's expensive and that's something we don't recommend at all. But they were like, look, I've been in the game, you know, um, I've got the budget for it. He's like, I just want to do this. I don't really want to do the selfie style. Uh, I want a videographer from the very beginning. And they have, they hold the new record now. I mean, within six days only, they only had one video up and six days into the channel and they got a $700,000 cash buyer. And uh, now he just texted us again last night and he's like, I'm sorry guys, I keep geeking out on this, he, but they already have, um, they already have like 15 leads in from the channel and they're not even two weeks old. Uh, and that's something that, uh, we haven't seen anything that worked fa that fast. So uh, does the videographer change it up? Uh, maybe, maybe there's something to that. But again, that's an expense that most, uh, agents, are, aren't able to front at the beginning. So I, it just depends on where you're at. If you've got the budget and you, uh, you know, are, are good with that, I mean, then do what you feel is going to be best for your style and for your audience and go for that there. But I haven't had any real direct feedback from, from clients or people on the channel, like, you know, drawing a big distinction. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I see how we're not friends anymore, so I'm totally kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, for sure. No, I, I think that launch pad, uh, you know, getting the videographer. I mean, I don't not I don't never hire a videographer, but I can see the benefit. You know, I'm sure they've they've done a lot of great things. So um, I think Chrissy was going to unmic and say something. Yeah, I was just going to say one word of caution with the drone footage is if you do not have a commercial license to fly a drone, you can actually get um, in trouble on YouTube. It doesn't happen very often, um, but if you don't have a commercial license and someone reports that they saw you using a drone and people check into your licensing um, status, they it can actually, I've 
I've had other friends and other people that I know who have had um, warnings on their YouTube channel and things like that. So I'd just be really careful because there are regulations on those. And if you use drone footage for commercial pur purposes, you can um, get in trouble for using it without a license. So um, just a word of caution on that. Like I said, it doesn't happen very often, but I just I do know of people that that's happened to. So. Yeah, I did hear it. Like, is there a resource? I'm sure there is in Texas. I don't, I don't know if it's a national thing or a state thing. And I, I did hear it through the grapevine. If um, it's under a certain weight, you can use it anywhere. But I'm sure you can't use it around like skyscrapers here in Houston or whatever. You know, I'm sure there's regulations <laughs> flying objects around there. Yeah, so, well, and I but, think for as far as the YouTube regulation goes, I've Levi probably knows more about the actual drone footage, like regulation in cities and stuff. But just from a YouTube perspective, um, you just have to, it, it all depends on the end use of the video. Well, lucky for you guys, uh, you know, because we repurpose all of our content, uh, I'm actually here with Alex, our videographer, because we are, we film all of this at the same time, who's also our licensed drone uh, pilot. Would you like to answer this question, Alex? Yeah, so I think what I heard was that um, concerning the weight and legality of a drone, um, the regulations, as I understand them, concerning the weight of a drone has only to do with whether or not it requires it to be registered. The FAA has recently required that all drones be registered, whether you're a commercial or recreational flyer, you're technically supposed to register it. Uh, now, my under, other under, understanding of the rule is that any drone used for commercial purposes is supposed to be operated by a uh, part 107 rated drone pilot. And I use that word with air quotes, but technically that's, that's how I interpret the rules is if it's used for commercial purposes, it has to be flown by a licensed pilot. And then if it's under a certain weight, it doesn't have to be registered, but even though it's not registered, if you're using it for commercial purposes, they view it as uh, needed to be flown by a licensed operator. Does that help out? Yeah, got it. Part uh, part 107, drone pilot. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll look into that. Not, you know, I, I'm not trying to do my own stuff because I have other things to do. So I can, you know, didn't seem like, you know, I have a huge need. Just, just I like the effects and maybe some viewers do as well. So appreciate it, guys. All right. Well, hey, guys, we ran a little bit over there, but I started the room a little bit late. So just wanted to make sure we got everybody uh, got a full hour there. That that wraps up all of our questions today. Thank you, Chrissy, for helping out and contributing. As always, uh, thank you, Matt, for hanging out too. Uh, Denise, good to speak with you. Armando and everyone else, this has been the YouTube for Real Estate Room. And uh, we will see you next week, same time. Same place, 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, and always a great place to get your questions answered. So come ready, and we would be happy to have you on stage. And until next week, we will talk to you later. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching all for free, schedule a call at fivestarstrategycall.com.